morning. It's so good to see all of you guys after our time of break. Um, I'm expectant for the theme of 2023 as every nation, the theme of miracles. I believe we're going to see miracles. I fully and wholeheartedly believe it. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen or experienced a miracle. Anyone in the room? That's amazing. <laughs> so if you're sitting here and you're doubting, the doubt can go out the door right now because you can see <laughs> that there's people who have seen and experienced miracles. And for the next seven weeks, that is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to ready our heart, not just for the next seven weeks, but for the year of miracles. I love the new year. It gives us opportunity to seek God afresh for vision, for what He wants to say to us. And what I do appreciate about our global leadership team is that they don't take it lightly when they think and pray and fast and ask the Lord, what is the theme? So knowing that this is what's on God's heart for us in 2023 around the world is exciting. And I know throughout the year, we're going to see miracles from across the globe. We're going to hear stories. They already are stories. And uh, I'm excited for what God will do in our midst here. New Year, sometimes people come up with these rhymes. The year 2023, the year of sovereignty. You guys know? The year 2023, the year to be. Maybe you're into like other things. And year 2023 is the year of the tree. You know what boggles me with those things? It's always in English. <laughs> you, you can't say the art 2023 year of the boom. The poem doesn't work anymore. <laughs> you know what? It's about seeking God and hearing what He says, not coming up with a clever concept or idea. And I'm confident as we start talking about miracles today and as we do it throughout the next couple of months and then into the year, we're going to see God move mightily. Now, part of this journey, as Sergio already mentioned, is that we have a time of fasting coming up. Every year we fast for a full week. Usually we do it with uh, the global churches, but because of the way that this year is starting late with school and work, we have decided as every nation, Southern Africa churches, to postpone our fast till the end of the month. So our fasting will begin on Monday, the 30th of January. Uh, actually, that Sunday we'll set ourselves up but then we're going to be fasting until that Friday. We're going to have prayer meetings throughout the week. We'll share more details with you. What you can do in the meantime is you can download uh, the Every Nation app if you want. The details are on there about fasting, everything we're going to go through. Uh, or you could just download it on Uvision. On Uvision, you can just search for miracles and it will come up. We've got a reading plan, these daily devotional videos. Uh, for now, just get your hearts ready, get your bodies ready. Start drinking less coffee, start eating less sugar, <laughs> work a little bit more on like fresh foods, taper it down so that Monday the 30th come, you can go throughout the day without having to eat. It is possible. For some of you, that'll be the miracle that you're trusting God for this year. <clears throat> but more about that soon. Um, can we pray as we ready our hearts to open the word this morning? Thank you, Lord, that we know that opening up your word opens up so much more than just letters on a page. We hear the voice of God. Your spirit comes and illuminates it. And Lord, as we hear and as we lean in, we change. And we have given opportunity to hear the word, but also to do it. So I pray this morning as your word is preached, that you would come and do what you want to do in our hearts. And let that be true 
of this year that the word of God shapes us and forms us and creates us to be more like Jesus. We ask for this in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> for, <clears throat> excuse me, for some people, miracles uh, is a lifestyle. They see it often and regularly and they trust God for it a lot. For others, miracles are controversial. Uh, they think it's fake. They think it don't exist. Uh, for some people, miracles is a means of selfish gain, especially in a place like the African continent where the man of God syndrome happens and miracles are performed and sometimes fake miracles to get people to give and to do things with their money or even for control and abuse. But the story of God reveals that God was, always is, and always will be a God of miracles. So regardless of how we perceive miracles or think about it, there's a higher standard. There's a higher thinking. There's a higher authority on this very thing. And that's God himself. And he is and was and always will be a God of miracles. Just think of the story of the Bible. In the beginning, this miracle God created out of nothing. He just spoke and this perfect world that scientists for 2,000 years have tried to figure out came together and works together with cells and structures and, and things that my brain can't even comprehend. And it's perfect. Enough oxygen in the air, enough land for people to live on, enough things in the ground to create food so that people can live. Everything that we see around us points to a miracle God who did miracles to create out of nothing. And then we see it in the story of his people. After the miracle of 40 days of flooding when the world has never seen rain, hello, miracle, we see God choose a people for himself. And there's a miracle baby with a very old man and a very old woman. And this miracle baby is the birth of God's people, the nation of Israel. And their story continues. And they're in slavery, but by miracle, God appears in a burning bush and he raises up a man miraculously to lead the people out of Egypt after 10 miracles took place. Where the man of Egypt said, just get out of my sight. And they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Hello guys, God is a God of miracles. And they go through the wilderness and they see at day there's a cloud that covers them and leads them. And at night there's a fire to keep them warm. But then inside of the wilderness they do things to rebel against God. And you know what God does? He heals them of their sickness when they're struck with disease. Because he's a God of miracles. He provides water from a rock. He parts the river as they go into the promised land. He sees their enemies scattered and surrender in front of them. You get it right? The entire story tells of miracles. I'm not going to go through all of the Old Testament, but then Jesus. He came through a virgin birth. Miracle story. Miracle upon miracle, he goes through his own ministry and he changes people's lives. And then miraculously as God, he dies as man on the cross. And you know what it produces? Three days later, he is res resurrected from the dead so that we too can have life and expect the resurrection that is to come. That is miraculous as it is. 
And then the church is given the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit is descending and filling the church, they start speaking in different languages, and there's gifts, and there's miracle stories upon miracle stories. And for 2,000 years, friends, this is still the story of God. So why do we think that it might have stopped? Or maybe why do we see so little of it? I believe over the next few weeks, some of those questions will be answered. And our faith will be stirred again to that grassroots level where we just take the words of Jesus like it is and His Holy Spirit empowers His church and we will see Him do mighty things in front of our own eyes. God is a God of miracles and His story is a miracle story. I love how C.S. Lewis said it. He said, miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the world in letters too large for some of us to see. So miracles today is a retelling in smaller versions, the big story of what God has been doing all along. That He is different, that He is sovereign, that He is above all things and beyond all things. And we sang it this morning, in Him all things is and holds together. So how do we define a miracle? My definition is when a miracle is when God intervenes in a divine way to impact a situation that couldn't be done through human intervention or natural law. I'm going to read that again. How do we define a miracle? When God intervenes in a divine way that impacts a situation that couldn't be done through human intervention or natural law. You see, to be okay with miracles and to want and see miracles, we should start becoming okay with impossible situations. Because it's in the impossibility that the miraculous breaks through. It's in that moment where no human can come with a cure, with an answer, with a solution, with an idea or a plan to fix things, and where the natural world just says, well, there's nothing to offer, and God comes through in a divine way, and he changes the impossible into the possible. If you think about it, modern science and technology have diminished our needs for miracles. And I'm not against modern science and technology. Thank you, Jesus, that we have things like that to use. But there's means that humans can intervene medically that doesn't require a miracle, especially where we live and uh, in the area that we are in. There's doctors who, who figure out stuff and they fix things in our bodies when it's gone and there's cures. And over the years that's developed and it's part of God's knowledge that he imparted into mankind. But you go to other places where there's nothing like that and they see miracles every day because if it's not prayer and faith and breakthrough, there's no doctor to help. And the same with modern technology. There's all these advances and it's great, but the payoff is, and the caveat is that if we put our trust in that, we'll become a people who have stopped depending on God for the breakthrough. And we just go back to trying to fix our own problems. And today we're going to look at the first miracle in the Gospel of John and what they did when they found an impossible situation. In order for us to look at it, for the next seven weeks, we'll preach seven miracles from the Gospel of John. And he only recorded seven miracles. 
It's amazing when you start seeing how the authors use the prose and the, the means to write. Seven miracles in the Gospel of John, but also it is the Gospel with the seven I am statements. And if you look at it, you'll also see that there are seven discourses or preachers by Jesus. So it's this book of seven things that John wanted to bring across to us. For him, it wasn't that miracles are only in isolation. It was pointing us to something about the personhood of Jesus, and it was pointing us to the teachings of the way of the kingdom. That's why these things work together in, in a pattern like that. Greg Morse wrote this about miracles. He says, the miracles exist for the sake of words, not words for miracles. Jesus performs mighty acts to underline, highlight, and bold the font of his monologues. The inbreaking of the kingdom of God through mighty deeds cast divine light on his sermons. They proclaimed, here is the heaven's king, listen to him. Every time we see a miracle, it tells our hearts, wow, this is the true king. He's in control. I better listen and tune in to what he says. And through the gospel of John, we see that. But you know what I love about John? When he wrote his gospel, he ended it like this. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. It wasn't just reduced to the seven that he chose to write about. He said, when I have to write everything that Jesus did, the whole world won't have enough books to keep it in. So let's open our hearts to learn from the seven miracles in the Gospel of John, what it says about Jesus and what it says about us. And then when we do our prayer and fasting, we're going to be studying the miracles in the book of Acts. It speaks about miracles through the hands of humans. So our first miracle today is the miracle of water into wine. As I said already, it's the first recorded miracle in the Gospel of John. Potentially the first miracle of Jesus, surely, 90% sure that it was, if you read all the Gospels in, in, in unity and understand it. And I need to give a little bit of context, because it's not a typical South African wedding. <laughs> the weddings back then was usually days long. People would come from far, and we would wait for them to start the service, and they still only come at quarter past nine. <laughs> and that... Over a few days, people come and they got the news and the wedding is happening and the groom is hosting. So over the course of days, family and friends will travel from farm and they would arrive at some point of time. And as a host, as the groom and as a family hosting, you wanted to make sure that there's enough things to host them with, for example, wine. So what happened at this particular wedding is as the people arrived and more came and those that were there hang out and they spent time together, they ran out of wine. And this is where this miracle is set in context of such a wedding. Sadly, some have reduced this miracle to the idea of a South African wedding. You can have as much wine as you want. Because Jesus would have made more. As if he would approve of drunkenness. That's not what the story says. You've got to understand the context. Because you could read it like that. Like, yeah, they'd run out of wine. and ooh, They've been having a good time and they want more. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
it's the context of a Jewish wedding, a celebration of people coming. And as they come and they eat and they, they are together, they enjoy this. And also wine back in the day was probably two parts to one, water to wine. They reduced it because there was a lot of people to give wine to. So a couple of interesting facts before we read this together. So that when you read it, you know the context in which this happened. So let's read John chapter 2, the wedding of Cana. And it will be up on the screen if you want to follow me. I'm reading from the ESV translation. <clears throat> on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. That's a lot of wine. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. What a cool story, right? There's some empty jars. Put some water into it. Draw it out. And now it's wine. I mean, I would have just like, what is this? <laughs> Remember, we're talking about a God of miracles. And here he's introducing Jesus as the Jesus of miracles. This wedding was going well, things were going good, and all of a sudden, there was a problem. Who of you guys know that problems are always untimely, right? That the kids really have to get sick now? <laughs> guys relate to that one? Some of us find problems in the traffic on the way to work in the morning, and we're praying for the parting of the into, and it doesn't happen. Maybe you should have just left a little earlier. <laughs> it's just a little joke. But problems are always untimely, and in the same manner here, this wedding has been going great, and all of a sudden, oops, the master of the wedding, which was probably a sidekick to the groom, came to him and said, buddy, the wine's gone, and more people are coming, and it's kind of just halfway there, like, what do we do now? We've got to feed these people. There's a problem. I remember a miracle story once when we were in India ministering to the children. It was the last morning of our ministry to the children. And throughout the week, there was a lot of tension in the air because India has kind of just heightened their uh, anti-conversion laws and their anti-Christianity laws. And, and as foreigners, we're not really allowed in the country to preach the gospel in any form. So we were there with um, them for the week, and it's the last morning, and we're going to minister to the kids and love on them and go back home. And as we are having breakfast, in comes one of the police officers of the city that we're in, and he wants to meet the leadership. He came there, sent by his authorities to come and shut down this ministry to take us to the airport and ship us back home. Thank you, Jesus, that night our flight was already booked. <laughs> and you know what happened is we pulled up a prayer meeting. 
I was invited to go and meet this police officer as the leader of the team from Every Nation Church. And I go and meet him, and there's this big guy, like massive, maybe three heads taller than me. I'm super intimidated. And um, I walk up to him, and I invited myself, and the next moment, he just smiles. This big smile. I'm like, okay, I expected him to say, where's the cuffs? Let's take you to the airport. Long story short, as he came there to shut down, eventually we got him to attend the last service we were having all these kids. We were worshiping. We were told not to go on stage. And by the end of the morning, he told Yesu Param, the leader, you know what? The foreigners can go onto the stage. And afterwards, he thanked all of us for the beautiful thing that we were doing there. I don't know about you, but that's a miracle. An official who came to lock us up or send us home, standing there and saying, wow, this is amazing. This is awesome. We encountered a problem but God turned it around. He came against that which was not only natural law, but political law. And he changed it because he is a God of miracles. And throughout the word, but also for us today, our greatest problems can become our greatest opportunities to deepen our faith. When we start partnering with God in the miraculous, whatever problem you might face, if we can come now, Holy Spirit and take control he can turn that around into an opportunity for a miracle. Can I get an amen this morning? Have you guys rested in December? Because you guys look half asleep in the heat. It's an opportunity. Can we change our narrative this year that when things go rough, we say this is an opportunity for a miracle. When things go hard, we're like, God, we're leaning into you and we give this burden to you. Can you change this around? And there is still a narrative in our mouth of South Africa and what it's going to become. I don't care because God is a God of miracles and he saved this nation before and he can and will do it again. I read the news yesterday. It's like, ah, oh, this is how 2023 is starting. It's just like 2022 is continuing. And our load shedding is worse. So what, guys? There's a sun shining outside. He's a miraculous God who calls up the sun every morning and says, sunshine. He's a miraculous God who controls the season and sends the rain when we need it so that we have food to eat. And we think our nation is in the end because of load shedding. As if he is controlled and smaller than that. Come on, guys. Where's your faith at? Are you trusting God? Are you putting your faith in the miraculous God of miracle stories? When you get to the third hour of the four-hour stretch, worship Him. I'm just preaching to myself here. <laughs> Not preaching at you, I'm preaching to us. What I love about this story is it kind of gives us a little bit of a, almost like a pattern or a, or a, a road to take down the road of miracles. We see that the problem was brought to Jesus. The problem required obedience the problem invited participation, and the problem led to belief. Can we run to Jesus with our problems first? What do you do when you face a massive problem? Where do you run to? These guys ran to Jesus. Like, ah, you've got to do something. But through his mother, <laughs> and that's a whole other part that I could preach, but that's not what we are about this morning was brought to Jesus, but then it required obedience. She's told the disciples, and they weren't the full bunch yet. There was only a few that he has called by this time. She told them, do whatever he says. 
See, some of us will bring our problems to the Lord, and there might be a miracle brewing in the background, but when there's some radical obedience required, we're like, I'm not sure. I'm going to lay my hands on that person and trust God for ears to open. It requires obedience. And then we've got to play our part. God does what He does through human agent in this world. He uses our hands. He uses our strength. He uses our, our ability. And He uses the gifts of the Spirit. And whenever there's a miracle, it leads to belief. And you can read through the stories of Jesus' miracles. But that's usually what happens. Problem is brought to Him. Jesus interacts with a person to a point of obedience. Sometimes they had to go do things. And they also see how Jesus lived in obedience to the Father and invited participation, faith. They had to come with faith. It invited them to do something and act. And they're not only those who were touched, but everyone around them believed. But more particularly, four thoughts from this miracle story that I believe sets the tone for miracles for the year. First of all, miracles happen from relationship. In the beginning, God created us for relationship. And it says that Jesus was also invited to this wedding. So he got the email. You were invited. Say the date. It's our wedding day. It was in Galilee where he grew up, so probably knew the family of this moment, of this wedding, and he got an invitation to go there with his disciples. Because they probably knew a little bit about what was brewing with this rabbi, this, this teacher, with this person, Jesus, and this following that he has. He says, you guys, please come to the wedding. Relationship was in the middle of this because God has made us for relationship. And there, in the middle of relationship, he chooses to do his first miracle. Because I believe he's wanting to teach us something. Miracles are never away from the idea of relationship. Sadly, I've seen that happen, where it's just about the power and the laying on of hands. In a context where there is relationship, because he is the God of relationship. When Jesus calls his first disciples, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, what did he do? He did a miracle. They couldn't catch anything. And he said, well, throw it on the other side and boom, fish. <laughs> and in the midst of the miracle, he says, now I'm calling you into relationship. For Christ, miracles are not the end, but it's always the means to a greater end, a relationship with him. It's about the relationship that he wants with us. It's not about us just walking streets and praying on people and then leaving. No, putting them into relationship with God and with His people. Secondly, what we get from this story is that miracles are unto salvation. We read that some water jars for the Jewish rites of purification was there. And it's within the water jars that God decides, or Jesus decides to do the miracle. He could have done it any other way. He could have told them, just put the glasses on the table. And they could all look at the glasses and go just, and there's wine again. And it wouldn't have run out like the widow's oil, right? <laughs> Until the wedding is over. Some of you are thinking, yeah, that would be a nice wine glass. <laughs> no, he said, those things there 
are used in Jewish customs to clean yourself, to wash yourself clean. And what's fascinating is they're empty. Why are they empty in this moment? Because God wanted to fill it with different water. The water of life was there to fill these empty stone jars with a fresh kind of water. But he didn't just leave it at the water. He took it to the wine, representing his blood. Saying that, you know what, this first miracle is going to tell you that you can try and cleanse yourself as much as you want. You're going to run dry. But when my water comes and turns to wine on the cross, when I die and bleed for you, then cleansing comes. We have been saved by grace through faith. It's not our own works. And he was trying to say this in a very subtle but very firm way, using those purification jars to say that I am the one who's coming to wash you clean. Miracles are there to get us to salvation. We don't want to send healthy people to hell. You can pray for someone and see them healed, but unless you introduce them to the ultimate healing that they need, that is the healing of their souls and being in right standing with God, we're missing the point, friends. It's unto salvation. Miracles unto salvation. And you know what I love about this? When the people had this wine, the bridegroom drank it, says, this tastes better than anything we've had before. That's what happens when Jesus steps into the scene. It tastes better than anything we've had before. When his miracles come to us and he changes our problems and our things around, it'll taste better than any effort we could have made. So then I'm like, Jesus, I'll live on miracle ground because I want the best tasting life that you have for me. The third thing that we see, miracles is about his glory. This, the first of his signs, manifested his glory. The goal of miracles is always His glories. In miracles, He is glorified and we are blessed. There shouldn't be any glory of man. Man likes to glorify man. We've seen it sadly in the church where we glorify certain people with certain gifts. Where some people with miracle gifts are put on pedestals and unless they lay hands on me, no guys, this is the Spirit doing it because it's out about the glory of God. And there might be times, I believe, that God withholds the miracle because he knows the glory will not go to him. It might go to someone else. A man or a woman who's standing away saying, I'm going to do this. And there's no true miracle because he knows he's not going to get the glory. What's fascinating here is that it says this manifested his glory for the first time. Up until this point, he has been teaching He has been speaking. He's been this child that everyone saw, now a grown man. His ministry is about to start, 30 years, 30 odd years old. And people know that there's wisdom, that there's something different about them. But this moment showed us the glory of God. And if we are about miracles for the glory of God, friends, I want to tell you this morning, we can expect many of them. If we are a people who say, God, we trust you for miracles, not just so that I can get through my challenge, but so that your name is glorified, we can expect those. John Piper said that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. 
And I believe he's ready to satisfy us with the good of his power. But let us be people who make it about his glory in our midst. And then lastly, as I conclude, and I believe this is a baseline for us for the next few weeks, miracles are for our faith. And his disciples believed in him. Those that were with him up until this point, something deeper happened. And I want to say this prophetically this morning. Some of you are going to experience miracles because there's a deeper belief that God wants to awaken in your heart. I'm going to ask Kathy to join me for a moment. This was their moment of getting it that Jesus is the Messiah. Because miracles spark, sustains, and strengthens our faith. For some of us, it's a spark of faith. Like, wow, <laughs> that just happened. Well, God must be real. For some of us, we just need that because our faith has been waning and we need that sustaining moment. But you know what it does for all of us? It takes our faith a little deeper. To say that this world out there and the world that we live in and all our efforts and all the stuff we see is good. But there is a God who is beyond that. So can I ask this morning, and don't say yes, just like your hoo-ha, boom, like team time. Are you ready to see miracles this year? If you're not, that's fine. It might take you a little while to say, God, I don't know if I believe this. Maybe you've been taught differently. That's okay. We'll open up the Bible together and we'll see that this is God's way. And we'll hear testimonies. There's 2,000 years of it throughout church history. Even the founders of the Reformation speaks about praying for people that were sick and getting healed. Although some say they were starting the cessationist theory, which says miracles are stopped with the apostles. Well, I don't know. When I see the world today and what God is doing in the church, it's never stopped. It's about our hearts, friends. So this is an invitation to say, Lord, I want you. I want relationship. I really want relationship. Because that's what it's about. And more than, than the experience of the miracle and the breakthrough that I want, thank you, Jesus, that the ultimate miracle has already come. I am saved. And I will reign with you in eternity. It's the greatest miracle that God has breached the gap through the Son, Jesus, on the cross. And that we are saved and we will live eternally. If we perish and when we perish and die, Jesus is going to come back and we're going to raise from the dead and we're going to be with him. That's the greatest miracle. I want you, Jesus. I want relationship, but thank you for the ultimate miracle. I'm there, Lord. I thank you for it. But Jesus, let the miracles you do be for your glory. And if there's anything in me that wants to make it about my story or my testimony, or I just want the breakthrough, Lord, forgive me if there's any pride in my heart. I come humbly and saying, God, if and when you do the miracle for me, I'll praise your name and others will join in. Lord, and ultimately let my faith grow. And let the faith of those around me grow. And here's what we're going to do for the next seven weeks. We're not going to preach about miracles and not pray for them. So this morning I want to pray for miracles. I wasn't sure exactly what to pray for this morning. But what I do believe is that God wants to do things in our midst.
So here's what I want you to do. I want you to participate with him. There's a problem. You've heard that you can bring it to Jesus. Now there's an opportunity to participate. If you trust in God for any miracle, it could be economical, it could be work, it could be family relationships, it could be physical healing, it could be, I don't know, but you know that this feels impossible and probably is and unless the Lord intervenes, I don't know how this is going to change. Might be for your business, might be a relational thing. If you trust in God for a miracle, participate with Him and stand up this morning and say, I'm standing in faith for a miracle. You guys can stand up if that's you. Thank you, Jesus. Sure. I want you guys to see how profound this is, right? This is all of us. Most of us. I thought maybe if a few of us stand, we can all make groups and lay hands on one another and say, God, we trust you. The best thing we can do this morning is to just personally come to him. And I do look across this room and I see some of you and I, I see the burden. You've been carrying long. I can see that. Come to him. Relationship. Thank him that you saved. Tell him, Lord, I want to see your glory for your name. And then ask him this morning in faith for the miracle that you need. Do those four things. I'm going to give you guys a minute and then we will conclude the service. Thank you, Jesus. say this if you are specifically trusting God for physical healing can you just raise your hand if that's your miracle awesome just put it up keep it up if and can those of us around them just stretch out our hands and trust God for healing Jesus we thank you that you are the healer that you step into our world outside of our natural world and you change things because you are the divine God who is over all things and I pray for my friends this morning who's trusting you for healing in Jesus name father we ask for your healing we ask for your touch Lord I ask this year for babies to be born when they were told that there won't be any Lord I ask for this year for backs to be without pain Lord I ask this year for blind eyes to see eyes that's been waning and becoming weak changing Lord ears that have been deaf or becoming deaf changing 
shoulders, Lord, that's hurting, not hurting again from this moment. Unseen things, Lord, in bodies that the doctors don't know what's wrong. Maybe it's a stomach ache. Maybe it's a sense of nausea, Lord. Whatever it is, Jesus, we thank you that you can heal. And that from this morning already, Father, I know we will hear testimonies of your miracle power in our midst. If you're trusting God for any form of economical miracles, it might be for your business, your finance, you're looking at your budget and you're like, I, I can't, whatever that might be, if that's you, you're trusting God for a new job, whatever it is, just raise your hands. Let's put our faith together. Lord, you are our provider. You said in your word that the Father knows that we need the things we need in this life. Lord, you open up doors. You create job opportunities. You give insights for men and women to start businesses so that more work can come. You give us a spirit of entrepreneurship to create. Father, and I pray this morning that this will be the year of miracles and your provision for us, your people. Lord, let this be a year of miracles for us as a church. May we go and expand the kingdom in the places that you have for us, Lord. In Solari Spas, into the Eastern Cape, Lord. May we see buildings, Lord. May we see people getting saved, Father, because you are the God of miracles. We here in this nation, Father, know that on paper it looks impossible. But in heaven, <laughs> it doesn't. And we thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. And the last thing I want to pray for, you're trusting God for relational miracles. Spouse, children, a parent, a brother, a sister, an employee, employee, someone working with you. Stuff are broken and you're trusting God for something. If that's you, just put up your hand. Lord, I pray that you would once again turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And children to their fathers and mothers. We ask for that in faith in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for spouses who feel like they're at the end, Lord, or maybe they have reached the end. You can turn that around. So we trust you for breakthrough in marriage. Lord, I pray that we'll even see this year the miracles of divorced people coming back together, getting remarried. Lord, we pray where there's difficulty between parents and children, especially teenagers, Father. Breakthrough there, Jesus. As they trust you and they say it feels impossible, will you break through there? Lord, I pray for those in our church who's been trusting you for a spouse. And where this journey of waiting feels so long, may this be the year that you come through and you bring that person into their world. Thank you, Father, that all of these things are important to you. Because we are your children and every good gift comes from the Father above. And for that this morning, we honor and we praise you. And the people of God say, Amen. As Sergio comes to conclude this service, can I ask that if there's any miracle stories over the next weeks, to let us know on the WhatsApp line. If you wonder like and worry who's on the other side, Sarah, just wave. That's Sarah, everyone. <laughs> She's our awesome administrator. She gets the messages. She treats them with uh, the right way, in, in, in a proper way. So 
If they're miracles, we don't always get to hear them. Tell it to your follow group. Get in your follow group. Say, guys, I've got a miracle. And come and tell the stories on a Sunday morning. And before we sing, say, before I sing, I just got to tell you, sure, what God did this week. I want to be able to stand here and say, God, let's, let's thank God for what happened this week in some of our lives. So let's have faith that these miracles will come through. Please share them with us. Search over to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pierre. Who was encouraged? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for that incredible message, Pierre. I think I feel so ready for 2023. I feel like God is working and He has just put us on the right track for this year. Family, may you be blessed this week with a booming relationship with our loving, miracle-working Father. May we come back next week encouraged because we've seen salvation and because we've seen the glory of God reflected through our lives and in our lives. Have an incredible Sunday and we hope to see you all next week. Bye-bye.